Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First of Ten podcast brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, I am Tony Catalina alongside my guy, Aiden Davis, him and his Texas Longhorns. After you listen to this or while you're listening to this, hopefully they had won in their Elite Eight matchup. But we'll find out. And Aiden, how are you feeling about it before it tips off here? Oh, very nervous. I am. I've. We're all Cowboys fans here, so all of us share one thing in common, and that's not we're not we're not incredibly used to winning around here, especially winning at all. So the fact that this I'm I've not I am rarely this close to a championship. I root for the Longhorns, I root for the Dallas sports teams, and that's essentially it. And so outside of the Mavericks in 2011, I haven't watched a cha- national championship. I was too young to remember Vince Young running for the end zone on fourth mm. down. So. At, my my two championship experiences so far have been Colt McCoy breaking his shoulder in the national championship against Alabama and the Ma- the Mavericks winning the finals. So wow. I'm this is this is unprecedented territory for me. <laughs> Let me ask you this, um, not to put your personal information out there, but you just graduated from University of Texas not too long ago. Anybody on these on this team that you've had classes with that you're friends with you ever seen at a, you know, at a party or anything like that? You know, any of these guys? Yeah, actually, one of my high school buddies that I went to the University of Texas with, he ended up walking onto the basketball team, he, but nice. he I'm mean, never got any playing time. But he did form the relationships with the players. So, not this is a this year's team is a little bit of a repuzzled roster. So I don't I didn't meet any of them. Didn't meet many of them. But Brock Cunningham, I've actually met a couple times. Who, if you don't know. He's the glue guy on the team, the lanky white guy that you see at once every <laughs> 10 minutes. Not, I don't know any of the stars that we're seeing. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because you got, nobody can see this, but you get the Longhorns hat on. There's a lot of pride here from your alma mater. And um, you know what? I told you, and I'm surprised my uh, words haven't jinxed it yet, but I told you, I thought they had a chance to win it all. And I'm only what two games away from that being true. I should have put money on it. I did not though, but I, I should have. And that's probably why they're still winning. <laughs> just keep you let's bet on put a put a tiny little bet on miami today just just to make me feel safer i think Frank. i think i'll do that you know what i think i'll help uh, all my longhorns friends and all my longhorn fan people that listen to this i'm sure there's some longhorns uh alma mater and fans listening to this so uh but that but that's fun i mean we were talking about march madness a little bit before this and um you know now let me ask you this question because we're a cowboys centric po- podcast would you be okay with the Longhorns never winning any type of championship ever again if the if the Cowboys could win one? Yes, absolutely. I, I've had this discussion with friends where, like, mm. because like 
they get more invested in UT as they attend. They're like, Aiden, how would, how do you measure a UT championship against the Cowboys? I told them, here's my thought. I would take the Cowboys just appearing in a Super Bowl and give up all Longhorn success for the rest of my life. I would take all of the trash that RJ would talk. RJ, who is the resident A&M fan, Tom Ryle, mm. those two miscreants i'd take all the trash that they would talk just to see the cowboys in the super bowl and have that shot i'm the longhorn does not compare to the cowboys for me yeah and you know what i don't have a you know a college team that i root for in that type of what about the red Sox? i was just about to bring it up the red Sox. i was 13 years old when they won in 2004 and that was um you know one of the craziest moments i mean i saw my grandparents cry, family members, like t- totally emotional, like the state of Massachusetts. It was just a, a crazy thing. I would, if the Cowboys can win another Super Bowl, I would erase everything they, the Red Sox have done in my lifetime for that. I would. And I, and I'm a, and I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, but I just, we talk about it before. The Cowboys are just a, a, a few 300 levels above the Red Sox for me personally. Um, I need a Cowboys win, man. I'm tired of this. You know, being in Massachusetts, like I said, I've seen too many Super Bowls for the Patriots. I'm tired of this. I need the Cowboys to win. I we've It's a common sports question, but one that I don't know if we've actually talked about on this podcast. Would you take one cow? Would you take the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl in 2023 if it meant that they were never going to win a Super Bowl for the rest of your life? Or would you just play the odds of let's see what they can do? Would you take the one guaranteed championship or are you playing the odds of they'll probably win one throughout my lifetime? Well, I want to say I want to say the latter, right? I want to say that second part because it gives you an opportunity to win more. But I've just went through 27 years of, of not <laughs> yeah. seeing anything. So it's like I might take the one and just soak that in in that memory and enjoy that. But I need that one. I mean, I'm not. 1996, 1995. I can't count that. You weren't even alive. I, nope. I was four you know i was like four or five years old i didn't even have a conscious mind to represent wrap around my head what was going on so i think i i would take a hard look at possibly taking the one and done in 2023 but um (laughs) i don't know man this is a depressing conversation a little bit but (laughs) i'll end it like this texas longhorns i hope they win it i hope that you get some joy this year and and it continues maybe this is a texas sports you know year maybe the longhorns win march madness and then it starts you know snowballing across the whole state one could wish right i'd I'd believe you if not for the fact that the Rockets, Spurs, and Mavericks all suck at basketball this Yikes. year. Yeah, the Mavs, yeah, they shouldn't be as bad as they, they have been lately, but I digress. Um, yeah. We actually have some um, some off-season dates and some Cowboys-related information, so we'll kind of start there for first. The off-season dates have been announced, and I know you have those in front of you because you're a much more prepared person than I am, Aiden. So give us the important dates of the Dallas Cowboys offseason. Yep. So this is more of when we can expect football to start happening. And so the first day of the OTAs is April April 17th. Sorry, the first day is April 17th. OTA offseason workouts start May 22nd through the 23rd. And then mandatory mini camp starts on June 6th through 8th. So I mean, this is just dates to mark on your calendar, but we now have a schedule for the offseason. We know when the Cowboys will start reporting, when we start to get those juicy, juicy OTA headlines of this player is going to be an all pro and this player is looking disastrous. And so, yeah, stuff to look forward to. I mean, overreaction season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
overreaction season. I'm excited for it. And I think it's important. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that things are, you know, I'm going to over exaggerate, like I just mentioned, but do you expect this to have a different feel this year? Right? Like Mike McCarthy doesn't really, shouldn't really have a lame duck type of feel to it, but you feel like this is his offense. This is his situation. And he's going to handle this with knowing that it's his back against the wall. Do you have that type of same type of sentiment? Do you think this is Mike McCarthy and you'll feel a little different off season because of it? Last season, we went into it saying the Cowboys, I think the sentiment was almost that the Cowboys needed to reach the NFC championship in order for Mike McCarthy to keep his job. But the team looked, the team overperformed in a way and they looked impressive enough for him, for us all to buy into the fact that no, Mike McCarthy's clearly not the problem. However, if the Cowboys once again fall short of reaching an NFC championship, it's r- really tough to believe that like Mike, I don't know. I don't know where Mike McCarthy stands with in Jerry Jones's eyes. I think one important development is we now have, we know Sean Payton's off the table. He's obviously the head coach of the Denver Broncos now. So if you fire Mike McCarthy, you almost have to have a backup plan and you don't at this point, unless Jerry's been talking to some head coach behind our backs. And so I don't know. I don't, I think as long as once again the Cowboys make the divisional round, it's tough to fire Mike McCarthy after three straight years of making the playoffs. Like at that point, the Cowboys will have done something that they haven't done since. I don't when when have they made the playoffs three straight years? It's probably the nineties at that point. Yeah. I mean it's it's for the fact that it was like fifteen or sixteen years between ten digit uh double digit win seasons, you gotta think it's gotta be a quarter of a century at this point for something like that. Yeah, exactly. And like, I know all of our standards are no longer the playoffs. We don't care about divisional rounds anymore. So we especially don't care about divisional round losses. But like I said, the key in winning in the NFL and winning it all, the playoffs, there's a lot of luck involved. Just making the playoffs and hoping you get lucky at the right time. That's half of the formula. So to have a coach that keeps getting you to the playoffs, that's that's valuable, man. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, my feeling on this Cowboys offseason, when it starts to the the mandatory or the volunteer workouts that they have moving forward, I expect a little different feel. And I think it's because of the context clues that they've given us, right? Mike McCarthy understands that this is his show more than it as was even last year. Now he's calling the plays. It's his, his offense. He knows that there is no hiding from this anymore. What this offense looks like, it's going to be on his shoulders and how he kind of formulates that. But I also feel that way because I think Dak Prescott understands. He already knew this, but I think the reminder when Ezekiel Elliott was, you know, taken off this football team, it's his best friend. I think you realize just truly how much of a business this, this league is. So now you understand that Dak Prescott's got this like, business businessman type you know attitude about it and Mike McCarthy knows his backs against the wall and then you look at Jerry Jones in the front office and how they've handled free agency with some of their signings and some of their aggressive nature for trades I think that everybody in this organization for the first time in a very long time understands what's at stake what's in front of them and and what the standard should be as the Dallas Cowboys football club now um, you know, there isn't really going to be any consequences when you're Jerry Jones and you own your own, you know, organization and you're the general manager. But I think they hear the noise more than they ever have. And I think that this Agreed. year we may have a result of that being in a positive manner for us. So I don't know if it'll result in a Super Bowl championship, but I feel really good about it for the first time in a long time that the Cowboys are going to handle it and, and have some type of aggressive nature that makes the whole fan base feel really good about it. 
I agree with you in that the expectations, I mean, we get our hopes up for every season. We're Dallas Cowboys fans. That's what we're going to do. And by the way, it's not bad to get your hopes up because that's the point of football. But you're right. The expectations are higher, I think, this season now that the Cowboys have. they've. I mean, they haven't gone all in on this offseason, but they've invested more than they have in the past. So the question for you would be, is where does Mike McCarthy, is he on the hot seat for this season? And where where do the Cowboys need to get to in order for Mike McCarthy to keep his job? Like you said, he's calling the plays. So he owns this team now. To be honest with you, I think Jason Garrett was the last coach that ever will be comfortable in a Cowboys seat as a head coach. I think yeah. the fact that he was longer than he should have been, there was personal feelings in that situation before he got let go. The whole situation with Jason Garrett felt buddy-buddy. And I think moving forward, the standard here should be championships. And if you're not providing that, you should have that little bit of uncomfortability. And I think Mike McCarthy feels that. And some people rise to that occasion. Some people wilter in those situations. You know, we Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl. So you could say what you want about him. He has won a championship. He's proven to be at the top of that at least one time. Now, so I believe in his ability. But guess what? It just it's a cold hearted business, like we've said before, if he doesn't get it done and it doesn't look good and the moves that they made don't work out, there'll be someone else here. And that's just the nature of the beast. I agree. And going back to our point earlier in terms of just making the playoffs is the most important thing. If you look at Mike McCarthy's seasons, he had 12 and four seasons. He had 13 and three seasons. The one season where the Packers won the Super Bowl was a 12 and or 10 and six season. I believe it was a season where they. Like they got hot at the right time. They found their luck. Obviously, they had Aaron Rodgers coming on with a solid defense at that point. They had Clay Matthews. Um, but I mean, it's man, a lot of it is luck. And so, as long as Mike McCarthy keeps making it to the playoffs, I'm still going to keep believing in him. Yeah. And you mentioned it a lot of it is luck, but a lot of it is talent and talent acquisition and keeping talent around. So I kind of pivot that to our second topic where Tony Pollard has officially signed his franchise tag. Um, I wanted to get your take on this is something that I wanted to speak on because around Cowboys Nation on Twitter and social media, there's been a rumblings about look at the numbers that these running backs have been signing for smaller and in less years than a lot of people probably thought. Or maybe we all thought this is how the running back market is. So I want to ask you this question. Was this a good move for Tony Pollard to go ahead and sign this deal? Or was this a good move for the Cowboys or both? And the reason why I ask that is. You know, $10 million for one year seems to be on the pretty damn high side for the running backs that have we've seen over this, you know, this offseason, this free agency period. So do you think the Cowboys overshot their mark with that $10 million and they could have probably gotten him back for six or seven? Or do you are you just comfortable with the way it is? You know, they had to get him under under contract, let him stay here. This is one of their playmakers, because I think there's a conversation to be had on both sides of that argument. I think this is a great deal for Tony Pollard. I don't think if he tested the open market, especially coming off that injury, he's not earning anywhere close to $10 million. Now, I understand if you're the Cowboys, the value in this. You you don't have a ton of speed on offense. We Like CeeDee Lamb, now you have Brandon Cooks. It's speed-ish. But Tony Pollard's your speedster. He's going to be the guy that's going to create the big plays for you. He's the explosive guy that's going to rip off the 60-yard touchdowns and give you that spark. So there is value in bringing him back. But this is why when we were talking about how we wanted to handle the running back situation, I was forecutting Ezekiel Elliott. I did not want us to tag Pollard because you're overpaying for running backs and you're 
it's really tough to build a championship team if you're a paying a quarterback 40 million now i'm not going to rant about the Dak Prescott contract in my opinion at this point based off what we've seen it's actually a very solid contract and a very fair contract to pay a pro bowl quarterback so i will never say the Dak Pre- Prescott contract is bad but when you're paying your quarterback that much paired with the fact that you're now investing like what what are they still invest 20 million in the running back position even after cutting Ezekiel Elliott you still have a dead cap of what like 7 8 million yeah, yeah and, and so, his savings aren't even until after June 1st anyway Exactly. So you're not, you're still investing a ton of money in the running back position to the point where now that's $60 million off two position groups alone. What are you going to like? It's tough to then build the rest of the team out in a way that you're, you want to be competitive. Now they've done the best they can. Cooks, they're getting, they they have CD for cheap. They're relying on some rookie ti- or some second year tight ends. But it's just really tough to build when you're investing that much in those two positions. When, like, look at a guy like Rashad Penny. I would have been, he signed a one-year deal worth $1.4 million. You can't tell me that Tony Pollard is worth $9 million more than Rashad Penny at that at this point in his career. I think Rashad Penny is solid, dealt with injuries, but that's why I wanted to let Tony Pollard test the open market. I just think you could have found a guy like Penny. You could have found you could have looked at a guy like Miles Sanders. Just these running backs that have signed smaller contracts. Go for that instead of pot committing yourself on investing twenty million dollars at the running back position. Yeah, and you know what? I, I what you said is I, I totally agree with it in the sense that um, yes, this is a win for Tony Pollard. One year at ten million dollars at that position is is well compensated at the running back spot. And I do agree that the Cowboys overextended and probably, you know, shot themselves in the foot for a lack of a better term. But I'm also not mad at, you know, either party for doing it because I think the Cowboys, um, in their mind, right, this is their way of thinking. This isn't necessarily what me and, you know, Aiden would do. But in my mind, I think that the Cowboys said, this guy has been a proven playmaker, somebody that we believe in. We understand who he is as a person, as as a player. We want to keep that in the fold because if we were sitting here in the second, third tier of free agency and we didn't really have a solid, concrete plan for the running back spot, I think some of us would feel a little uncomfortable about that, having to go into the draft, trying to find somebody or paying a street free agent, you know, six or seven million dollars, like we said, because at that point you're just playing, you know, you know, musical chairs at the running back spot, which I I fully believe, you know, they're probably going to draft somebody at some point in this draft, and they'll probably be the bell cow for the next three or four years. Um, but in the meantime, I think they understand Tony Pollard's value. They want to keep him in the fold, and I think they paid a little extra than they probably had to to ensure they did that. And it can go back to another argument when you look at the Cowboys and how they overvalue their guys probably more than other teams do as well. So, um. Yes, I think they Tony Pollard signed the deal because it's a good deal for Tony Pollard in one year probably doesn't give him the security he wanted, but he got 10 million for 10 million for a season and the Cowboys did overpay, but at least they know they got a proven commodity in their backfield for at least one more year. I don't like yeah, I'm not I'm not losing sleep over the him, the Cowboys franchising Tony Pollard. I'm glad he's on the team. He's going to be on the team in 2023. I just think, in my opinion, this is the worst move they've made that this offseason. Now, that's not saying a lot because this has actually been an offseason where I think the Cowboys have made some tremendous moves. So, yeah. I mean, what would be your worst move like in comparison? I think that's the worst reach, 
right? Yeah. With the, with yeah. the money, like Which you is, said. Yeah. What do you think you so, could have got Tony Pollard for? Six, seven? You think that would have been... I was about to bring that up. Would you rather have Tony Pollard for $10 million or Kareem Hunt for six? Mm. Wow. Because Kareem, th- Hunt, Kareem Hunt signed for six. So, like, yeah. to me, that's the value of Tony Pollard. I'd put him at that $6 million. Do you know what Miles Sanders got? Because I'd be okay with a Miles Sanders in here, too. You know, while you, If you're looking that up, I'll, I'll buy you some time. Um, yes, they overextended, like I said, and it's it's interesting. What did he get? 6.4. That's kind of... That's where I'd want to be. You know, I would you take Miles Sanders? I know that he's an eagle. But I would take Miles Sanders at 6.4. I'd take Miles Sanders at 6.4. But was it, Tony Pollard, he's a better running back than both of those. Like I'd take Tony Tony yeah. Pollard over Miles Sanders and Kareem. I just don't think I'd give him an extra four million over right. those running backs. Right. Yeah. I think I think if those guys are against 6.4, I'd probably be comfortable paying Tony anywhere from seven to eight. You know sure. what I mean? Yep. And that's paying him fair market value, knowing that if he was a free agent, he would be the number one guy on the market. And I think that's even with the injury. I agree. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't think this is a horrible deal. I just think the Cowboys could have got better value. The one thing I will say, the rest of the NFL has done Dallas Cowboys fan a huge service because as the other 31 NFL owners realize, oh, we probably shouldn't be paying running backs 15 million. And like we're seeing these running back contracts continue to decline. Jerry's not going to have to spend as much at the running back in the in the future, which means that I don't think we're going to see the Zeke situation ever again because the rest of the NFL is proven you don't need to pay the, the running back as much. So yeah. thank you to the other 31 owners. <laughs> and while you're sitting here wearing this Longhorns hat, and I know we've had it in our blog and the boys chats, I want to ask you about your guy, your buddy, um, Bijan Robinson, if he's sitting there at 26, are you using that premium pick as a Dallas Cowboy front office? Are you using that on a Bijan at 26? No, for the same, like to me, the first overall pick or the first, your first round pick is the exact same thing as like your franchise tag. It's an, it's a huge asset to have that I'm not, I'm not giving that to the running back position. I'd rather, if if we're talking about UT running backs, Roshan Johnson in the fifth as a UT as a guy who watched UT football, when Roshan Johnson went into the game, there was not a huge drop off between Bijan to Roshan. And if you can tell me that I can get Roshan Johnson three to four rounds later than Bijan, sign me up for that. I think Roshan Johnson can actually be a bell cow running back in the NFL. He's has the speed, he has the pass catching ability. He's going to be great. A guy like Jameer Gibbs, Tank Bib, Tank Bigsby. All guys that you can get at a lower value than Bijan, who I think will provide similar production that you don't have to waste a first round pick on. You can go defensive interior. You can go offensive guard if you want. You just have there's a lot more important positions you can go with in the first round. I totally agree. I think um fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And I'm not doing yep. it twice. You know, I, I like the Zeke Elliott pick at the time, but when you look at like who was there, like Jalen Ramsey and stuff, it's more yeah. of a premier position. Um, yes, I'm a fan of Zeke Elliott. We've sang his praises here um a couple of times over the past. Um, I'm not doing it again. I'm not using a first round pick. There's other needs. I would I would rather seriously, I would rather everything we've done at the corner and the wide receiver position go in three or four other directions before I'd go running back, even with you know the Stefan Gilmore, Brandon Cook, CD Lamb, like Give me a wide receiver wide um yep. round one. Give me a cornerback round one. Offensive line, D tackle. Like there is so many other ways I'd rather go than running back because you mentioned it. There, this is a deep and skilled running back room that comes 
excuse me, in the draft that like I'd feel comfortable anywhere in the first five rounds and, and feel like it'd be a productive uh, back there. So, um, yeah, I, and, I love B. John Robinson. I think he's a stud. I just don't know if we need him there at 26. No, don't get me wrong. B. John Robinson, I think, will be a he'll may he'll have multiple Pro Bowls, probably an all pro everywhere somewhere in his career. He's going to be a great running back, but you can find great running backs later. And along that similar topic, I also don't understand, and maybe you disagree with me on this one. I also don't understand the draft, the tight end. I'm, we're going to get more into yeah. the draft. I don't understand tight end in the first round when I don't either. Did we, did we not just see Henry Ferguson look very solid in their, on their rookie, in their rookie years? Right. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's more so for me too, is the beyond just the history of that first round tight ends haven't really been successful over the last you know decade or whatever. I believe in Jake Ferguson and what he can bring. Yes. You know, I, you know, that's why I was comfortable with not even batting an eye about paying Dalton Schultz and letting him go to Houston. I think Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, Zach McCune, I mean, excuse me, Sean McCune, and then drafting somebody at some point, but it, I'm not wasting a first round pick on it. Tight end and running back, I'd probably almost go anywhere else. No, I'm not. I mean, I believe in Ferguson, and I do think one of the more underrated players in 2022 was Hendershot. He really, in fact, I, I'm I'm not even sure that there's that big of a drop-off between Ferguson and Hendershot, which is saying a lot because Ferguson looked incredibly solid in 2022. So I'm in on both of those, and I'm not, please, no running back, no tight end in the first round. Add Add to your valuable positions. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Totally agree. And speaking about valuable positions, we were going to kind of wrap up this episode with a good segment of us talking about how we feel about this roster construction at each position post first, second wave of free agency free the draft so for us we're going to kind of take a look at reset this roster see how we feel about it and um, with that being said we'll start at the, the head of the table here QB well Cooper Rush Dak Prescott back in the fold how do you feel about it I mean as far as I'm concerned um, I don't think it's a negative but 
Cooper Rush is a, brings a comfortability, but I would have been okay moving on. So in my mind, it's not it's at best indifferent, um, maybe slightly worse because I would like to see somebody maybe even cheaper or a draft pick be that number two. Yeah, to me, I'm like in terms of the like if we're going based whether they've improved or regressed, I think that they've like this is the most neutral you could get. Obviously, they're not changing anything, but I'm with you. I I don't love the way that they handled quarterback position simply because why not take a shot on a young quarterback? Cooper Rush is got really, really lucky in 2022 in that he got to play when the defense was looked like an world like they look like the best defense in the NFL and it wasn't particularly close when Cooper Rush was in and so like let's not act like Cooper Rush was the reason they won they went on that win streak so I I would have preferred them to draft a, even you can even go fourth round third round if you want to get wild go quarterback in the draft at some yeah point. I you know, for me, I would have been totally comfortable with Will Greer going into the into uh, the offseason practices and some of those camps with Will Greer being the number two with the yep. draft guy coming in. Right. And then if you figure out you don't have what you have come, you know, June, May, whatever that time is, bring a veteran in at that point, you know, do what you can. I don't think Cooper Rush is like this game breaker compared to who you might have gotten in May or June. So, yeah, ultimately, I think the way they handle the quarterback position isn't a huge big deal to me, but I would have liked to see them go somewhere different than Cooper Rush. Yeah, and one person that I'm willing to be wrong about, but if we're talking about, like, Dak Prescott, he was an SEC quarterback, had a lot of success in the SEC, but people didn't see those traits transitioning the NFL and thus fell down draft boards. If we're looking to me, Stetson Bennett, I'm in on Stetson. If the Cowboys Mm. take a shot on Stetson Bennett, sure. He might not pan out, but this is a winner. Take a shot on a winner. Okay. Yeah. And him and Dak are close to the same age. No, I just kidding. But um, (laughs) (laughs) no, I I agree that that's, that's the type of move I'm talking about. Somebody that, like you said, see if we can develop, maybe he's under the radar and that kind of fits the bill perfectly there. So um, we already talked about it and we'll kind of pivot to the next position here, but running back, how do you feel about it? Did they improve? Did they regress? Where were you in the thing in how they handled the running back position so far? They, to me, they took a big step running back. They took a big step forward in the running back room, and I think it was addition by subtraction. Once again, we talked about it. He was very valuable to the team, and I really respect what he contributed. But the fact that you were able to cut Ezekiel Elliott and cut the ties means that Mike McCarthy is not going to feel obligated to give Zeke his touches. It's Tony Pollard's running back room. Tony Pollard can handle the running back room, as we've seen when he's been able to start the last few years it's been amazing to watch when tony pollard's the workhorse running back to me it's the fact that he is the workhorse running back now it's addition by subtraction i think you got much better by the fact that you don't have to give ezekiel his touches yeah we we had talked about a lot about the running back in the last segment so i won't get too too deep in it but i hate that i completely agree you know i i I totally agree i think with ezekiel not there having to get touches due to salary you know reasons i think that the cowboys got more explosive i've um, i know people are high on malik davis i'm even higher on rico dow because people seem to forget that rico beat him out right for the job coming in so i think both of those guys were rico coming back and malik being a second year player helped to spell tony pollard and i'm fully in the camp that i think we just talked about that they're going to draft somebody somewhere at some point that can be the two or the possible one in a year or two so um i i do like the running back room i think there's some question marks because 
because some of these guys hadn't really had extensive work yet and we'll see what they can do. But overall, I feel encouraged by, I guess that's the word encouraged by the running back room. Um, this one's a no brainer. This one's easy, but wide receiver room. Is this a, 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 a regression or some time of uh, moving forward here? I think I know your answer. Massive step forward. I still think Huge. they need to add more. Yep. I mean, we're talking about night and day. The fact Brandon Cooks alone adds so much more. I was thinking about it the other day, and the fact that I can almost bank on, maybe not bank on, but I can feel very, very confident in the fact that Brandon Cooks is going to hit 1,000 yards this year. That's The Cowboys didn't have a receiver that was going to hit 1,000 yards last year outside of C.D. Lamb. I mean, it was... I'm not going to bank on Michael Gallup to hit a thousand yards. I'm definitely not going to bank on Noah Brown to hit a thousand yards. And so the the fact the Cowboys have it drastic improvement. What I will say, it's still CD Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, and then a massive drop off in terms of maybe Jalen Tolbert, maybe Dennis Houston, maybe some guy. Like you still need to add more, and I think it's going to be in the draft. But it's that still needs to be a priority to me. Yep, I t- I totally agree. I, it's going to be boring the first couple segments because I right you're right. I mean, this wide receiver room definitely got better with Brandon Cooks, and there is definitely room for more improvement. That's why I said earlier I think that I'd be cool with them taking a wide receiver in round one. Let him be that three B, yep. you know, that three B four kind of guy for the first year, and understand that maybe you can get out from underneath somebody at some point. But C.D. Lamb has to get paid. It, it, you can't be hurt by adding more talent in the wide receiver room. Um, but, yes, the Cowboys have handled this position quite nicely. Um, tons of praise. They deserve all the praise they're getting for this wide receiver room. Um, and you feel really good about it. I think offensively the Cowboys are really trying to make some things happen here, and, and I feel good about it. Um, pivoting to the next spot, the next uh, set of pass catchers here is, is the tight end. We know that Dalton Schultz is no longer here. Jake Ferguson's room with the possible rumblings of them being interested in a first round tight end. But as it's currently constructed, Aiden, is this a progression or a regression for the tight end room? I think this is a calculated regression and a regression that I'm okay with because I mean, we, we just talked, we just got done talking about this, but I'm okay. Dalton Schultz was great. He was Dak Prescott's safety blanket, but I'm not going to pretend like Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson aren't going to do aren't going to be the same exact role for Dak and they're going to provide the same value. So, yeah, I mean, you don't have the name like Dalton Schultz anymore, but I don't think that really matters. So, yeah, you slightly regress, but I don't think it's going to be noticeable in terms of what we see. And more reps for Ferguson might actually end up being a they might actually impress over the years. So we'll see. But I'm comfortable with the tight end position. Yeah, and this is how you talked about the running back room being a you know addition by subtraction. I kind of feel the same way about the tight end room. Dalton Schultz was fine. You know, he he served his purpose. Um, he wasn't a game breaker. He wasn't a game changer in my mind. So the fact that he isn't here allows for some younger talent with some more juice to them be involved here. I, again, much like the running back room, I don't want them to use it early, but I think that some point adding somebody in would be a good idea. Um, but yes, I think the tight end room is a slight uh, um, progression because of Dalton Schultz not being here with that figure. Opened up a little bit more cap space than that on this team to go ahead and, and attack other positions. And um, with that being said, one of those positions that I still think they need to attack, and this is where we probably feel the least positive about, is the offensive line room. How do you feel about, about the progression or regression of the offensive line room as a whole? 
this is agreed the area that I'm most afraid of heading into 2023 because I felt like the offensive line was weak in 2022. It was covered up by Dak Prescott getting the ball out quick. And if you need proof that Dak Prescott's a good quarterback, he was playing behind a bad line offseason and he went 12 and four. And yet they got worse on the offensive line so far. Maybe they maybe they address it somehow, but Tyron Smith is not getting any younger. You lose Connor McGovern. Zach Martin, he's he's getting up. I mean, that he's gonna start falling off at some point. You have to start preparing for that. The your only addition is adding Chuma Doga, who is a nice backup to have. He should not be starting on your offensive line. He gives you a little bit of flexibility, which is what you need. Terrence still looks good in his workout videos. We don't know if he's going to be ready for the season. I mean, to me, it's just like you're there's a lot of risks, and those risks do not need you don't you don't need to take risks on the offensive line, especially an offensive line that looked bad at times in 2022. So it's a regression to me. Yeah, it's it's a regression because I, I was in the small camp of people who thought keeping Connor McGovern may have had some value to this team. Like if it doesn't force you to have to draft a left guard, but if you wanted to and he loses his job, okay, cool. Like, you know, no big deal. But right now, like you mentioned, um Chuga is coming in and you know, him having to possibly be the starting left guard right now is is a scary proposition. Um yeah. it, it forces you. This is the one position I think that you really have to find a way to address in the draft because everywhere else they've done a great job of kind of filling in gaps. And I think they may have thought they'd done that with this free agency signing. I just don't know if they have. And I, and I'm really worried they're going to bungle the Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith situation where you could just slip Tyler Smith inside the left guard and have Tyron Smith be a left tackle. And then that situation is handled. If that's what they're going to do, then I feel okay about it. I know that there is some injury history there that kind of, you know, borrowed time when it comes to Tyler Smith and his health. I mean, excuse me, Tyron Smith and his health. But there is a lot of questions, too much question marks, right? This is uh, an offensive line that we need to see a vast improvement from. And all we're doing now is banking on injured guys being ready to kind of keep and right the ship. So offensive line is a it's a question mark at best. And I'm a little nervous about it, to be honest. With you. I'm very nervous about the offensive line because there's there's really no way that the offensive line looks better in 2023 unless Tyler Smith takes a massive step forward, which he could. But what about the fact that, my, here's, in my opinion, you have to prepare like Tyron Smith's not on the team because there's, I'd say at this point, a 50% chance that if you walk into the playoffs next season, you're walking in the playoffs without Tyron Smith. We've seen it year after year. Act like you don't have a left tackle. Act like Tyron Smith's not on the team. And when he is on the team, he's a nice addition but you can't keep banking on this. Stop taking yeah. these unnecessary risks. Yeah, it's tough to disagree with what you're saying there. Like, you got them, it's good. You know, keep them in your back pocket and just, you know, prepare for the worst. You know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So um, pivoting to the other side of the ball with the defense, let's start with the guys that face the offensive line first. How do you feel about how they handled the defensive line? Um, you know, they got guys like Sam Williams and stuff, but they brought Dante Fowler back. So it looks like that they feel pretty good about the defensive line. A lot of uh, guys, familiar faces there. So how do you feel about the D-line as a whole right now? The D-line at, at where it stands now has regressed. All they have to do is sign Jonathan Hankins, and I'll say you probably have it because Jonathan Hankins, we've heard rumblings that he's probably going to resign, but it's not official yet, correct? 
Yeah, I guess from what the word is, he's kind of dragging his feet a little bit right now. I don't know yeah. if it's a Cowboys thing or if he wants to commit thing. So either way, he's not signed and your point is valid. Yeah, so if they sign Jonathan Hankins, then you're walking in with essentially the same defensive tackle rotation, which to me was it was good enough in 2022. And then you have this essentially the same defensive ends with the fact that an- another year of Sam Williams you hopefully will gain linebacker flexibility and allow Micah Parsons to play more defensive end post-draft. And so to me, just all around this defensive line, it's young. And the fact that you're able to maintain it means it's going to get better in 2023. And so all you have to do is sign Jonathan Hankins. If you don't walk in with Jonathan Hankins, then the defensive tackle is a real, it's really concerning to me. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I was sitting here while you were talking, thinking if I would feel okay with Carlos Watkins being the signing. And I would be okay if they signed him, but it doesn't do anything for me like Hankins yeah. would, you know? So yep. um, I think they need to add Hankins. I think they need to add through the draft. And you're right. There is, even if it is a slight regression, until that interior defensive line is handled, this defensive line as a whole isn't better. It just isn't, Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a position group that has their positives and they do a lot of things really well, but where we were getting gashed was on the running game. And that's where Jonathan Hankins, those big bodies come into play. And if you don't have that, that pre-draft, you, you go into the draft much how I feel about offensive line with the legitimate need to find to kind of fill that. And I know that it isn't perfect to have a best player of available approach, but if there's a way to get to the draft and be able to kind of operate like that, I think that's your best chance to build your team and be more strong across the board. Quick question, because, I mean, we've talked about where we're comfortable with the Cowboys going with the first overall pick. Would you be comfortable with defensive interior? I get, yeah. I mean, is Jalen Carter falling? <laughs> you know, no. if, okay. if we get, what if, let me ask you this a real quick, I mean, just a real brief thing. If Jalen Carter, due to his off field stuff, ends up in that 15 to 20 range, would you move up for him? It would be a Jerry move. Jerry is right in the, yep, in the past, he's said, eh, off the field issues, we can deal with that. So, and honestly, when you're talking about a guy who used to be the, like, almost a lock for the first overall pick or at least a top three pick he falls to 15 probably worth trading up i'm having a serious conversation about it for sure you know yeah and give up your i'd be willing to give up my second round pick and maybe a future third maybe a future second to i mean you're talking about a guy you could be you get a top three pick at if you trade up so we'll see yeah, I mean, I, I, who knows if he'll even get there but it's that's the i only asked that because that's the only d tackle i'd want in the first round Anybody yeah. else, I think, you know, I'd probably wait and try to get in the second or third if we can. But I digress. And on to the second layer of that defense is the linebacker room. This one's a little interesting to me because they b- did bring Leighton Randash back, and I feel really good about that. But it's a youth movement from the rest of that. You know, Jabril Cox, there's Dam- Damone Clark, there is, um, you know, Devin Harper. So Anthony Barr probably not in the plans, and there's, um, you know, some – there's a for lack of a better term, there's a little bit of a hole there. So I think there's a slight regression, but I wonder how you feel about it. I think there is a regression, and yeah, you're right. You're they're completely relying on youth, especially from um, guys like Devin Harper and Jabril Cox. You're relying on them to come on when we haven't really seen it. Now, Demon Clark, we know we have in Demon Clark. He's a guy that you can you can put your faith in Demon Clark, but to have to rely on now Jabril Cox and Devin Harper to come on because Luke Gifford's no longer an option. Anthony Barr is not going to be returning to the team from any has is Anthony Barr. It seems like he might actually be out of 
he might be calling it a career at yeah, this point. Yeah, there's literally nothing out there yeah. about him, so that's usually yeah. a, an indicator of something. So you need to address it somehow because the only other option is you keep playing this weird... Micah Parsons, can you help cover up some of the holes we have at linebacker on occasion? And like that's not what Micah Parsons should be used for. Use him... At the, when you walk into 2023, he should be an every-down defensive end. You shouldn't even have to think about moving him to linebacker. So I this is a regression to me because you still have so many holes at linebacker that Mike is going to have to make up for it. Yeah, you, you're totally right. Um, I, I believe in some of these young guys, but I do think that they need to find a way to to draft somebody. It doesn't have to be an off-the-ball linebacker in the first or second round, but find somebody third, fourth round that can plug in and, and kind of help you play. Athleticism is the game at that linebacker spot now, and it really does start with the defensive line. So that's why I think the Hankins pickup, if we can get him back in the fold, is really big because you need guys to be able to take on blocks, be able to kind of eat that up and let the linebackers uh, roam around a little bit. So, um, yes, the linebacker room as a whole, as a constructor right now, I'm a little bit on edge about it, but... I feel okay because of some of the hope there, but I don't want to have too much hopium on, uh, you know, on the back end of this. So, um, you know, I feel somewhat positive about it, but we'll see. Yeah. To me, all you have to do, if you just look at the free agent market, sign the fastest linebacker available, the fastest linebacker who can reliably tackle the best run stopping fast linebacker you can find game over. Then I'm comfortable with the linebacker position. It's not a position you really have to worry about. But yeah. there's too many holes, right, for me not to worry about it at this point. Fair enough. And even if that's their game plan in the draft, I'm okay with that. You know, Devin Harper yep. was a speedy guy. Can you can you step up and make it? You know, make an impact. That's remains to be seen. But um, I, go ahead. I could be wrong, but I think Miles Jack might still be a free agent. He is. Yep. Perfect example yeah. of I don't think a guy that's going to command all that much money at this point. Why not? Yeah, like I said, that's that's a fill in a piece, you know, fill in a void. See, he may be able to help you, and if if not, you can still attack the draft. So, um, yep. I, I I I think that's an interesting perspective, interesting move there. So, um, the last position here before we get to the special team specialists, um, is the secondary for the defense. And you know, I'm gonna tell you what, this might be <laughs> the best unit in the whole team right here. And and I feel really good about some of these uh, players on this team. But this secondary lights out, man. Yeah, somehow you're walking in. I mean, minus Anthony Brown, it looks like obviously probably not going to play in 2023 anyways. But outside of that, you're walking in with the same secondary. Plus, you added a former Pro Bowler in Stephon Gilmore. Boom. I'm right there with you. It's This is one of the best secondaries in the NFL. And this is the this will be the core. This is going to be the group that we point to saying, yeah, this is the reason we're winning games right now is because nobody can pass on this defense. And so huge impression. It's a huge impress. And we should be thankful that, I mean, it's like the Legion of Boom part two for Dan Quinn. Yeah, I mean, we get the three-headed monster at the safety position. You feel really good about that. Like you mentioned, Stefan Gilmer in the fold. And now we know, right? Last year, we didn't know. Now we know what Deron Bland can bring. So now you feel really good about the first three cornerbacks you have with Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore on the out, Gilmore on the outside, and Deron Bland playing that you know nickel corner. You feel really good about that with the safeties, man. Now this is a home run situation here for the secondary. Um, you feel really good about it. Um, the Cowboys are, you know what? It's been a long time since they've had a safety room like this, and I feel really good about the secondary. Did I say? Did I mix up Damone Clark and Deron Bland while I was talking about linebackers? 
I think I might have. You might have. We'll, we'll run yeah, the tape back. Anyway. We'll, we'll let the listeners <laughs> yeah. tell us. <laughs> but huge. No, sorry. Keep going. No, I'm saying yeah. We'll let the we'll let the listeners tell us uh, where we mess up, and uh, <laughs> they're good at that. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the huge aspect of this is Deron Bland coming on and looking like a like best rookie we had last season. I'd say I'd say he impressed a little bit more than Tyler Smith in my eyes. Tyler mm. Smith was good. I think Deron Bland looked a little bit better. So the That's fact awesome. you have him, Spawn Gilmore, Trayvon Diggs, insane. Awesome. And we'll wrap it up here um, with this special teams unit. We don't really know who the kicker is. I know we got, you know, Tristan, how do you say, Viscano in there? Tristan so, Viscano, yep. Yeah, Viscano in the fold. No more Maher is in here. New long snapper we just signed. Um, how do you feel about the sec- uh, special teams? I, we don't have to spend too much time on it. Um, as long as you can get the snap down and make the field goals, and, you know, clear cut. Just, I don't care who it is, if it's me or you back there. Just make the kicks. Yeah, it's a regression just because we don't know who the kicker is. I'd be fine, like, turn this into a kicker competition this year. Don't do what you did last year where you like you have, you walk into training camp with two names and both of those names, one of them's Jonathan Garabee and the other, who was the other kicker who was competing? It wasn't Maher because they no, brought wasn't. Maher in after both of them failed. Yeah. Why don't, why am I drawing a blank? See, this is a fever dream now that kicking competition yeah. was like, it didn't really happen. <laughs> yeah. So just don't do that this year. Sign a, bunch of kids use a draft use your draft capital on a kicker once please because fifth round picks don't matter take a kicker with one of those one of the picks you have and to me like it's so easy to impress at the kicker position just try that's it that's that's all yeah. we're asking find it um it's important we'll see what happens to special teams but um I feel good. I mean, overall, I feel like really good about this roster. I know there's, um, you know, they plugged in. I think this team has got a real chance to do something good here, but uh, we'll see moving forward how you feel about it. Real quick, I know we're running long. Are you in on Robbie Gould? I Would mean, you be okay with the Cowboys spending upwards of like three, four million for a kicker? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I know Danny, Danny Phantom, friend of, you know, friend of the network on the network. Um, He doesn't feel like adding that type of, of value to the kicker is like, it's that worth the money. I disagree. I, I think that uh, having somebody that you can set your watch to a made field goal is worth its weight in gold and certainly my um, my heartburn. So, yeah, I'm in on that. Yeah, especially set your watch, not only set your watch to a made field goal, but set your watch to a made field goal when it comes late January, early February, potentially. So yeah. that's the one shortcoming of Brett Maher. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. And uh, before we wrap up another episode of the First and Ten podcast, uh, Aiden, any any final thoughts? I think we had a we had a good episode here. We talked about a lot of topics, a lot of information. But you have anything more to add? I'm ready to get into the draft season. It's officially we're coming out of free agency. We just talked about it. The team's looking solid, and so unlike last year, where we knew the Cowboys were essentially going to go on the offensive line in the first round, so many options for this year and. Well, I'm, it sucks we don't have the PFF mock draft simulator anymore, but Ooh. draft season's upon us and I'm ready. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on that. I don't want to get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you're totally right. I'm excited for it. It's that time of year where Cowboys fans love, um, you know, they love the draft. Will McClay in the front office. This is kind of where they make their, their hay. So um, I'm excited for it. You're totally right. And um, with that being said, that is another episode of the First and Ten podcast brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. I am Tony Catalina alongside Aiden Davis. And tell you what, if you're listening to this, we already know the fate of the Longhorns. Hopefully they won from my guy Aiden. If they don't, <laughs> um, 
please send them some messages of encouragement. <laughs> but either way, hope you guys have a great week and we'll catch you on next week. Peace.